This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit subscribe, share this episode with your team, and let's join Pastor Brandon Stewart for another vital conversation for all of us who lead in the middle. season four of the Leading Second podcast. My name is Kelly Goff, and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. I am so glad you've joined us today. I can't wait to share today's conversation with you. Get ready to take some notes because I promise there is so much gold in this episode just for you. One of my favorite things about our Leading Second community is our dedication to our own personal revivals. We are committed to growth and moving church forward by keeping the flame alive inside of us as individuals. It's so important. No matter what you are walking through as a leader right now, I wanna encourage you, keep going, don't stop. Keep fanning the flame that God has put inside of you to reach his people. What you are doing matters and you are doing better than you think you are. Before we jump into the interview, we had a question come in from a listener. We have people reach out to us through Instagram and Facebook. Brandon took some time to talk with them, so let's take a moment for this question. Well, hey, I'm here today with Dylan uh, from Dallas, Texas. Say what's up to everybody, Dylan. What's up, everybody? Hey man, uh, so good to be talking with you today, and great to have met uh, over the over the course of the last couple months. And uh, tell everybody a little bit more about uh, who you are and where you're coming from today. Yeah, so I'm from the Dallas, Texas, Yeehaw area. Um, currently in a in an interesting situation where I'm getting ready to help my senior pastor uh, plant a church in the Southern California area. So yeah, just bearing our cross and and heading out to Southern California. Man, what a cross to bear. Uh, I'm, I'm still asking Jesus for that cross to bear, but that is not mine yet. Uh, love, love it out there and pray it all goes well for you guys on your on your plant. Uh, hey, you had a question uh, that you sent in that I thought was really great. Yes. So um, one of the quotes I've heard you say and I've taken to heart uh, both on this podcast and when I first met you at uh, Youth America a few years back, you said that the best thing that you can do for your leader is to grow your capacity. Um, so my question is practically what are some areas and, um, where can somebody start with growing their capacity in this season specifically? Yeah. Uh, great, great question. It's probably one of my favorite things to talk about is capacity. Um, I often when I'm teaching or coaching use a definition for capacity that comes from one of my earliest mentors, uh, who taught on, and I think coined, uh, the law of hard capacity is defined by the law of hard. Whatever you find too hard is defining you. And so the law of hard is at work in all of our lives. You know, that, that person on the team that is showing up late, unprepared, bad attitude, you know, you're supposed to confront that person, but, oh, but pastor, it's just going to be so hard to confront them. Well, if you don't confront the law of hard, the law of hard is at work defining you that 
that person, that unconfronted situation, you know, that's using that as an example, that will define you as a leader. So that's generally kind of how I look at capacity and why it's so important is because um, we all end up with capacity lids at times. You ask, though, about this particular season. I want to give an answer today for our podcast this season that I've never really given before, but that is absolutely like fire in my bones right now. And I believe one of the greatest ways that we, um, Dylan, should be growing our capacity right now in this season is actually a uh, deeper understanding of the Word of God, our historical Christian heritage, and a strong systematic theological framework. Now that might, that sounds like a lot and it's not the answer I would have given. I think for years I've led and gone more leadership in my answers. And I think there's a season where that really worked, but let's be honest, Dylan, right now in this season, truth is under attack in our nation, in our world. And, um, anyone in ministry that doesn't have a solid foundation, whose life isn't built on the rock, isn't going to last And is it going to stand in this season? And so to me, this just went to the front of the line. And I'll be honest, this so much so I'm, I put myself back in school. We have a a cohort uh, with Leading Second that's going through Theos Seminary. Uh, I'm sure there's, there's many other great places to go to deepen the well of your own understanding, but it's something I'm doing. It's something I believe every believer should do because it's going to be tested in this season. It's going to be tried in this season. And then I think, I went on such a leadership answer for years on this and I don't apologize for it. I think there was a time in a season where it rang true and it was right. But the more I read first and second Timothy, and the more I read about the apostle Paul and his, his writing to Timothy and to all of us who would follow him, you think about how much time he spent talking about sound doctrine and encouraging us to live a life worthy of the calling we've received you know, and, and, uh, he warned us against the exact season in which we find ourselves right now. And his, his, his instructions were so much about being rooted in sound doctrine, being able to distinguish false teachers. So right now today, Dylan, that's my answer for you is it's time to deepen the wells. It's time to go back to some basics um, and um, really ask God again to qualify us all over again in ministry for the season that we're leading in. Good. Anyways, I hope that helps. Hope that encourages you. Yeah, thank you for that. For today's interview, we are so excited. We are honored. We are thrilled to welcome Lee Wilson to the podcast. Lee has been an integral part of the Leading Second journey from day one with Pastor Brandon and Lindsay. Brandon sits down with Lee to talk about leading from the second chair, personal discipline, mentorship, and more. Let's jump into the conversation. Well, hey, today I am so honored. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one for, for quite a while now, to be honest. I'm so honored to have a longtime friend of myself and Lindsay and Leading Second, uh, Pastor Lee Wilson, uh, joining us today. Say what's up to everybody. Hey, what's happening? It's so good, Brandon, to finally be on <laughs> with you. We've been talking about this for a long time, 
And finally, we made it happen. It, yeah. You really do exist. I can see your face, even though it's through Zoom. Right, right. On the podcast, I can hear your voice. <laughs> hey, I have to say, because I have to give honor where honor is due. And we've been blessed to have a lot of, of voices on our podcast over the four seasons we've done here. Uh, but I just have to say, um, very, very few Lee mean more to me than, than your voice and the conversation we're going to have. I know we don't talk all the time, but you were there at my church and, and, and in some of the earliest seasons of my ministry. So you've actually had far more of a formative, um, impact on my life, on my wife's life than you'll probably ever know. And, um, there are things I say that are ripoffs of things that you deposited into me and I never gave you credit for it until now. Um, but, but I want, I want to, I want you to know you are, you are, uh, in a small class of voices for me that helped me get it right in the earliest ministry days. And I owe you so much, Lee. I mean that from the bottom of my heart and the, the fruit that I believe we're seeing now in leading second, we, 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 we have tens of thousands of people that listen to, to, to this. And, and I just want you to know there's so much fruit there for you in it. So thank you, not only for the years you've served in the second chair, but thank you for helping those of us who wanted to get it right. I just wanted to honor you today because you mean so much to us and I, I appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate that as well. I, um, I'm grateful. I remember, I even remember when you first were talking about this and launching into uh, this ministry and you and Lindsay and you called me and yep. just picked my brain and um, and I'm just I'm proud of you and Lindsay I'm proud of what you've done I'm proud of our uh, of just you know in this day and time relationships are so important yes and never been more important than now and that besides the ministry and our positions and our titles what's most important is my friendship and the relationship that we have and so thank you for those kind words typically people don't hear that kind of thing um, they don't hear it, but their family and friends hear it at their funerals. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> to, to hear that is, uh, I, I consider it, uh, it blesses my heart to know Good. Um, what God has done in your life. And we, you know, been a part of that journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got fingerprints all over this thing. Okay. So introduce yourself to our tribe and, uh, you, you got a lot of years in ministry now a lot, but just give us some of the highlights on kind of where you've been. You've had seasons where you served in the second chair uh, in, including right now. So tell everybody a little bit about your ministry journey. Yeah, I've been uh, in ministry now almost uh, over 30 years and um, and just as passionate about it as I was uh, when I started at 16 years old, saved on a basketball wow. court in the projects in Houston, Texas. And uh, at 16, God called me to the ministry and I've just been going strong ever since. Um, I uh, pastored churches. Uh, we pioneered two churches, my wife and I, my wife, Tanya, um, uh, been married be 32 years this, this coming October. Um, Amazing. and, uh, we have two beautiful daughters, Alexis and Jordan, 27 and 22 years old. And they both love God and serving in ministry. And, uh, all these years we've been, um, you know, doing it and still excited about it. I'm actually, um, right now, um, for the last 15 years, I've been, uh, serving as an executive pastor here in Syracuse, New York. Uh, yeah, God is good, man. I could go on and on and on talking about all the things we've done. We've pastored in Atlanta. We've pastored in Houston. We've um, been a pastor in, in Oklahoma. Um, and of course, now in here in New York. 
So good. And I'm really excited because uh, I believe releasing soon, you have a new book uh, coming out called Map Your Life. And I have heard you teach on on these types of topics a number of times over the years. You have such an incredible voice on this. Tell us about your your book, Map Your Life. Yeah, it's called Map Your Life. And it's actually written out of the four cities I've lived in, all the lessons, the life lessons that I learned in the four cities I lived in, Houston, Atlanta, Tulsa, oh. and Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And so I, God just kind of reminded me of all the stories and the journeys and the life lessons. And we put it in a book called Map Your Life, how to get from here to there, wherever you are in life, how to get from where you are to where you want to be or you believe God wants you to be. And originally this book was going to kind of be a, a book that was kind of be a positive book, a book on just, you know, encouraging people. And I really felt at the beginning of the pandemic, the Lord really just challenged my heart and said, I really want you to go at this a different direction. And so we mm-hmm. moved from this idea of just, you know, positive book to a biblical book loaded with principles on on purpose and loaded with principles on discovering what God's vision is for your life and even more specific to this generation. So I wrote the book for 15 to 30 year olds. And because as so many people are complaining about, you know, this generation, whether they're generation Z or millennial generation, um, I found myself one day in a conversation with someone and I was like, yeah, you're right. And the Lord said, why don't you do something about it? And that's when he began to kind of direct me with this book. And so I've just taken life principles that I have learned and put it in a book format. And it's considered like a map so that helping this generation discover their God-given purpose. And I say that very strongly and specific because I believe that purpose is not really fulfilled unless God is in the front of it. So there's a purpose that God placed you here for. and You'll never really truly find why you exist without God being in the center of your life. So I just feel this real passion to help this generation discover their God-given purpose. Right. And I mean, in a day where the the message around identity is so under attack and re- really the, the ultimate... Um, the ultimate impact of it, I believe, is it unwinds people's understanding of God as their creator, as God as the authority of their life. And and um, I'm I'm so thankful you wrote this. Let this is a leadership podcast, so let's, let's maybe just just apply it to leaders really fast. Um, what would you hope a leader would would take away from the book personally? And maybe even here's a question: uh, How could a leader even apply using the book in their ministry. Yeah. So I think it's important that leaders constantly work on themselves. You know, leadership is, is growth. And, you know, there's an old saying, he or she who thinks they arrived is finished. And I believe if we ever get to a place where we think that, boy, I've accomplished this, I've done that. And I, you know, I'm, I got this title, I got this position, I'm finally doing everything I wanted to do. Those, then your days are numbered. So I think it's staying in a place of constantly wanting to grow. And in terms of my book, the, the idea behind it is to really address some of those things. Like I talk about taking shortcuts. You know, or have you been taking shortcuts in your life? Or maybe you think a shortcut is the best way to your path, to your purpose. No, I talk about toxic relationships. And that I believe that 
having the right type of relationships. And man, we need to continue to develop relationships as leaders. And there's some other things I could say about that and probably will throughout this podcast. But I believe as a leader, it's not about finding the next leadership principle, the next leadership strategy, and all of these great tools and resources that are out there, but it's the inward person. First Thessalonians 5.23 says that we're spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And I believe it's in that soul arena of our lives where as leaders, we can grow the most. And that's why I focus on a lot of things like character and, and those kinds of things so that you can become a better leader, become a better person, you become a better leader. You become a better Christian, you become a better leader, no matter where you're leading or, or who you're leading. So good. And uh, I don't think this is premature to talk about this either. I know that you have a real heart in the future here to to help churches and, and coach with them. And I just wanted to say that for any, any leaders, especially executive pastors, lead pastors who might even be listening to this. Um, I, I, I trust your voice, Lee, in, in, in how you, how you coach and how you help other leaders. So I guess if you talk maybe about that for just a minute, as well as how can people find your book and find, find you so as the well. The book will be out this summer. Um, we're releasing it. And um, so you'll be able to find that on Amazon. You'll also be able to get it through our ministry and I'll, I'll share that information. Uh, but also the second part of what we believe God's called us to do is not just to teach to this generation, but to help others who are taught, who are teaching this generation. I've been doing youth ministry, children's ministry, student ministry, ge- next generation ministry for 30 plus years. <laughs> wow. I've seen all the trends. I've seen all of the fads. I've seen it from every angle you can think of. But at the end of the day, what's going to be sustainable is not how big your facility is and all of these crazy, you know, amazing resources and tools we have, but it's it's the vision, the ministry and the infrastructure that you have. So what's your mission? What's your purpose? How do you recruit leaders? How do you continually speak to young people? What's the message, you know? And so we're, God has released us to not only just speak to young people, but to speak to those that are ministering to the next generation. So we have um, what we call, you know, blueprint Um, and blueprint is a, a way that we go into churches, work with churches, whether we come to you or we do things online with technology and I, and I coach with them and helping them, to reach the next generation. I'm one of the few people that have had that experience diversity. So I've been a part of youth ministry. We had 2000 kids and they're coming on a weekly basis. I've been a part of ministry where it was all black. I've been a part of ministry where it was all mixed. It was gangs, uh, you know, suburban, (laughs) uh, and we've seen it all. And so I just have a real passion in my heart to help next generation leaders to minister to young people. And there's some real strategies and tools you do have to have uh, I'm I'm 55 years old and I could stand up in front of a group of 15 year olds and hold their attention, and it's an anointing first. Yep. Yep. But there are some skill sets and some things I think you got to have more than skinny jeans to do, more than a spiked hair <laughs> to do. You know, I can't wear skinny jeans. Matter of fact, the word skinny has never been a part of my <laughs> my life. Uh, however, uh, and, and spiked hair either. You know, or afro. <laughs> Um, however, I respect it, understand it, but there's so many incredible ways I believe that God um, wants to help the next generation leader. And I feel called to help do that. Awesome. Well, we're going to put all of your information all over the, the podcast description and the show notes here. So anyone watching can um, reach out to Lee, but 
Uh, I love your spirit. I love your heart. I'm absolutely standing with you, praying for you in this next season. You're going to have an incredible, incredible impact. I believe in Jesus name. Okay. So here's, here's the conversation I thought we would have today. Cause I love how you approach life. I love how you approach leadership. I love your spirit. And uh, recently in my coaching work, I just feel like more and more through the pandemic, I've actually heard the, the topic of intentionality and discipline come up. I think it's because we all got used to working at home every day in our sweats. And, um, you know, it's like we get dressed up once a week for church and that's like a big event now. It's, it's like, you know, <laughs> so I, I feel like the topic of discipline has made its way into my coaching work more. I just figured we, we would talk about it here with everybody today. And I think the question, we, we, we paint a question kind of over every week. And I think the one I kind of want to chase down today is just what can an intentional disciplined life as a leader look like? I think those are some scary words, especially the big D discipline word here. Um, but yet, uh, if you're going to live on purpose and if you're going to, to run your race well and to run it to win, these are going to be parts of our life. So, uh, maybe my question for you today, first of all, is have you ever struggled with discipline in your life? Oh my gosh. Yes. And still do. Um, sure. I think it's one of the greatest lessons a leader can actually lean into is, is really defining that and being honest with that. Um, one of the things I, I challenge leaders to do is to is go back to that word being intentional about it. And that is that they don't deny the truth about themselves. Well, As leaders, I think we live in this, you know, sometimes this bubble and we're afraid to be true, truthful about ourselves. And I'll tell you why, because we come from a world, even in the church world sometimes, where you get punished for being truthful about your weaknesses. You get you get almost put in a box for being undisciplined in certain areas. And so I think the first thing you have to understand, and this is what I'm doing, it's a constant journey that I'm on, is that I'm gonna, I'm gonna not deny the truth about myself. I'm gonna think about the challenges that I'm facing, um, not just my strengths, but what are my weaknesses? And then that helps me to be honest with myself. And then I, I, can, I can grow from there. And, um, and, and man, yes, struggling with discipline, whether it's discipline, uh, we often look at it in just a couple of areas. We look at it in terms of, um, eating, you know, right. maybe, um, you know, the temptations that we have in our lives and things such as that. But I believe there's disciplines that we also need to have as leaders, right. as men, as women, as Christians, as pastors, uh, as human beings that will help you to further uh, whatever you're called to do, to do that successfully. How have you seen yourself in moments where you wanted to move forward um, and you felt like you lacked discipline? How did you regain it? How did you regain that strength? Yeah. How, how do I, I'm putting more like, how do I regain sure, it? Sure, sure, sure. Because I do have those moments, man, where, um, man, you know, you're always the one people come to for the answers. You're always the one that mm. over the years, I was always the one. And then I was faced with some things in my life that I had to really get like serious about a few years ago. I'll, I'll, I'll be very transparent. A few years ago, uh, my wife and I were, I mean, I thought everything was great. Everything was amazing. It was wonderful. And she came to me and, and just the biggest wake, wake up call in my life and says, 
Lee, we need to talk. And I'm like, oh, what are we going to talk about? You know, it's like, because marriage was great. We, you know, and I never knew I was having marital problems in a marriage that was, that was seemed to be healthy. It was, but we learned something. I learned something about seasons that mm. life is full of seasons. And we often don't look at it in marriage as well. And man, that was, there was some things that I was not disciplined. And I thought I was, I was living out of the first five years of marriage. I'm now in year 15 and now I'm still trying to operate in those same, the first five years doesn't apply. And so I really had to die to myself and be honest about where I was. And the one thing my wife said to me is that she, that when we started to talk about this and it wasn't about there was no infidelity. There was no, the, n- none of that. There was nothing in terms of what we typically think a marital problem is mm. or challenges. We were at a crossroad and she was like, um, I, I have an identity. I have a purpose. I have an assignment on my life. And then she said, Lee, we need to talk about this. And she says, you can't fix it. And I tell you, man, when she told me you can't fix it, I'm like, what? You know, I have the answer all the time, you know, you know, here's the answer. And man, we got, you know, really serious about it and got therapy, sat through it. And I went through some hard things and, and had to be vulnerable and had to be an open book. And, and man, our marriage has never been better 32 years now. And, you know, I think we were like 17, 18 years at that time when we were really facing this crossroad. But it made me a better leader across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't even about leadership. It was really about dealing with a few things that I believe are some key components that I live by to help myself deal with the disciplines or lack of disciplines in my life, whether it's marriage, whether it's ministry, whether it's personal. One is character. Um, I had to really you have to really define your character. Character right. is who you are when no one's looking. And your character is not your title. Your character is not your position. So it's good. not your status and your money in your bank. And it's who make who it makes you up to be. And this, this one particular situation I'm talking about my wife, it helped me to see. She painted my picture and the character. Thankfully, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me treating her in the wrong way or she wasn't didn't love me anymore and all those things it was about she pointed out the good things about my character that helped me to evaluate myself um and look at myself and where can i grow and also learn some things i didn't know that i needed to know Mm. um and i started to find out that in my marriage the same thing was happening in my ministry um i was missing some things and so helped me to build my character second thing i would say is community that you cannot dis- become disciplined without community, without having the right type of, uh, um, I guess, tribe. And we talk about this. You talk about this all the time on, on your podcast. I listen and I read all the things. So it's who's in your community. And 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 your community is key. Third is one I just talked about, and that's counsel. And that is those you, that provide wisdom in your life. And you got to be able, you got to be transparent. You know, when I when I do counseling, and I still embrace it today, and I lean into it, I'm not going to go into counseling talking about the other person. If you really want to help, you want therapy, 
Go in and talk about yourself right. and be real right. about yourself. And that's where I began to understand, okay, hey, somebody that can hold me accountable to the disciplines that I say I want or I need. And the other, the other two that we hear all the time, I believe, that are sustainable to help you sustain in terms of the, the disciplines and the calling of leadership in your life, number one is the calling itself. Identify your calling. What are you called to do? Not what you see somebody else called to do. What's your calling? And that has been a life changer for me when I identified that, which is why I can I can lead second, which is why I can sit in the seat that I sit yep. in and be yep. happy with it. Because I did, I know, I, I honestly believe that if I were to go out and, and work all the principles that I live by, I know when I read, man, I could be a senior pastor any day, anywhere in America or in the world, to be honest with you. But is that what God has called me to do? And so understanding the calling of God helps you stay and grow in the area of discipline in your life that you need. And then, of course, the last is Christ. It's the last, but it's not in chronological order. It's really having Christ in the center of your life and keeping him there. I, I say this thing about Christ, and what I mean by introducing people to Christ and having Christ is a knowing and growing. Notice the word knowing and growing, meaning you got to yes. constantly yeah. know yeah. and grow in your relationship with God. You don't stop growing with Christ. And that helps you deal with those things or grow in those disciplines you need. So good. Character, community, counsel, calling, and Christ. Somebody needs to write that down right now. I think we'll probably even throw them in the show notes. That's so good. Um, so let me throw this one at you. I feel like I hear a lot of language and culture right now that to me, the root is a lack of contentment. Um, so, so you, I see a lot on my Instagram about, uh, self-care or about rest, you know, and, and, uh, you know, the, the hustle and bustle and pace of life, you know, kind of gets villainized, which, which these are conversations we need to have. There's wrestles, you know, and, and tensions to all of these things, of course. Um, but, but I mean, something I've learned about leadership over the years is that leaders do need to have some strength. Leaders need to have some grit. Leaders need to, as the apostle Paul says, not just run, but run to win. I mean, so, so th th there's, there's a lot here and I guess, um, to me, it all boils down to a lack of contentment. What role has discipline and the right disciplines played into leading you into a life of greater contentment, true contentment and peace that only Christ can give? Yeah, li listen, um, you know, I am a, um, a promoter and a supporter of the care for yourself um, um, movement that we're living in now. And I, I truly embrace it and lean into it. And I think that it, it's important to understand that, yeah, you can keep going and going and going and going and chasing after this and chasing after that. You're not going to be satisfied. I don't care what you find, what title you get, how much money right. you make, right. you know, what city you move into. None of those things are going to bring that, that, that contentment that you're looking for. And so my strength really comes out of me going back and doing something that, uh, and I live by to this day, and I call it the balanced life. Having balance in your life is the key to contentment. And um, 
how, how, what do I, what do I mean by that? Um, well, time really doesn't allow us <laughs> to, to time to get into it, but I'm gonna give you a definition of what I, I call balance. It is a, an even distribution of time priorities in every area of your life, allowing everything to remain upright and order. So it's an even mm. distribution of time. If I'm pouring all of my time into ministry, even though I know that's what I'm called to do, uh, something's going to be unbalanced. And what ends up happening, yep. I start to lose that drive, that contentment, that desire, that commitment that I said I had to my wife or to my husband or to my children or even to my church or to my position. And then I look at something over here and I think it's shiny. I'm going to go chase that. There's an old saying that, um, you know, if you think it's if you think it looks good, you know, it, it looks green from here. Just get over there. You, you, what you can't <laughs> see right now is the poop. You can't see the yeah, poop from yeah. where you're standing. Yeah, yeah. And if you think another ministry or another church or another move is the best place, another place, please, you think it's the perfect place? Here's my advice. Do not go there because <laughs> if you do, it's no longer going to be perfect. There is right, no perfect right. church. There is no perfect job. There is no perfect ministry. There's no perfect marriage. What makes marriage successful and what makes ministry successful is constantly working on it and so having good. that work-life balance we so hear good. about. Um, and it's an even distribution of time. I didn't learn this overnight. I learned this the hard way. Thankfully, I didn't lose my marriage. Thankfully, I've, I've been disqualified from ministry. And there's some that have because of these things, but it's not too late. Right. So good. So good. And um, just, I mean, personally, I feel like God's worked on us over the last 12 months. And I think I'm proud to say that we're, we're leaving this pandemic shutdown season. You know, my, my marriage, you know, we're more in love. I mean, heck we had a, we had a oops COVID baby here, you know, <laughs> cause we, you know, we, 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 we worked on home and, um, you know, for a couple that wants to run fast and do a lot for, for Christ, the season was, was recalibrating into that in the best way. So your words resonate deeply with me. Uh, let me ask you this. What, what is the greatest habit or discipline that you currently have working in your life? Wow. Um, man, that's, that's a, um, that, that's a really good question. And I have, I have, a, I actually have them in all three areas, spirit, soul, and body. Okay. Um, let me start with the body part. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say this. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. And so the most current discipline I have, and I talked about community and counsel, is I have a, um, a, a coach in my life. I work out with a trainer because mm -hmm. I can, I, I, have, I realize that there's certain things you can do on your own and there are certain things you just will not do. Right, I will right. not make myself get on the, the skier <laughs> and I, I ski, you know, two or three times. I'm like, that's good. My coach, however, is like, no, you got more in you. And I'm like, how do you know I got more in me? I'm, I'm feeling the pain, not you. But And so that's one of the, one of my disciplines I have, man, is I really put that in my life and I'm, I'm working out. Uh, I go to the gym three to four times a, a week. Um, and like everyone else, I gain the COVID-15, the COVID-19, the COVID-20, yeah, yeah, 30, yeah. Or whatever you want. <laughs> 
and I'm working on that. And and so it's not a, a, a picture of perfection, but it's purposeful. And that's one of the one of the disciplines I have. Um, and the other, I would say, just um, spiritually is is just being uh, um, spiritually is is I'm listening to some things that I I don't I listen to things that not just satisfy me, but things that challenge me, that challenge right. me, teachings and um, ministry that, you know, that I, I need because being an executive pastor, I'm always the one speaking. I'm always the one sharing. I'm always the right. one in front of the people. Right. But what do you get? How are you growing? And so I challenge myself with certain types of teachings and certain types of um, uh, uh, leaders that speaking into my life and voices in my life. And so, and then the other one I would say is just discipline is when I'm at home, I'm at home. Um, right. I'm not pastorally at home. Matter of fact, here, let me say something about that. Um, I'm not, I, my title means nothing at home. If my wife calls me pastor at home, I'm in trouble. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's like pastor. <laughs> you know, it's not like so. You forgot to take the trash out, Pastor. Right, right. Just, you know, it's like it's like a punishment when she calls me Pastor at home. And so I believe my other discipline at home is to be at home. And here, here's here's the thing I, I I practice. Like I never walk in the house on my phone. So yes, I, yes. I, I, I this is something I've been doing for years. I will talk to you in the garage and on my phone. I will stay in my car and talk to you as long as I need to. But when I walk in that house, I am, I'm, I'm husband, I'm dad, I'm not Pastor Lee. And so that's a discipline. And here's another thing I do. I have what I call nothing days. I got free from the idea of always having to do something. Yes. And so I have what I call nothing days. And so my wife will ask me, what are you doing today? I'm like, nothing. Meaning... I don't have a schedule. I don't have that things to do list. And I may sit up and watch three episodes. And a lot of my friends and peers get upset with me because I'll watch like, um, I'll watch what's been popular and trending. I'll wait. I won't watch it the week it comes out. I'll let it stack up three or four weeks. And on my nothing day, I watch four episodes back to back or five episodes yeah. <laughs> back to back. And I'm not, I feel good about that. I'm nothing today. I'm not doing anything other than what I want to do. Those are the disciplines that I have in place in my, in, in the spirit, soul, and body. I feel like the lady second tribe just had a revival of nothing days. Uh, <laughs> as you said, <laughs> listen, I would say nothing days come after something days. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you can't have a bunch of nothing days and you've done something. So, <laughs> okay. Say that, say that. That's good. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you can't say I'm doing nothing every day of your life. And you've not done something. So yeah, but you know what? Uh, gosh, I don't know if everyone's like me or not, but I resonate a lot with what you said on feeling like I got to wake up and kill the day. And there are, there are some days, there are some days for that, but there's even some work days where I found myself recently just kind of needing to take the day at a bit of a different pace. And I, I'm feeling freedom in that. I'm feeling okay with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I call it the LRW. And that's when I talked about distributing time, life, what are the things in life that are important? Okay. And life is my family. Life is my job, my career, my ministry, my calling, all those things, all right? And I know that these are things I'm going to give. 
the R is rest. You got to have days to rest. And um, I, I believe that if you want to accomplish God's best, then you have to learn how to rest. Yes, very good. And rest doesn't mean I'm working on ministry or doing something. And you have to train people and teach people to respect your rest days. And that I'm sorry, you know, uh, people will call you and say, hey, I know it's your off day, but but if you know right, it's my right. off day, then why are you calling me? Right. And I'll say, is this an emergency? I had a situation last night. Um, I was with my wife and I got that text. Hey, are, you have a second? I'm like, I asked them, is this, a, is this an emergency? And they said, no. I said, I don't have a second right now. My second belongs to, I'm doing something with my family. Yep. And, um, and so that's, that's important. And then the third is uh, the W is work. You got to give work, work time. So you can't be resting when it's time to work. You can't be, you know, doing nothing when it's time to work. Work means something. And so I separate those things in my life and I have found it to be uh, very successful for me. And that's going to look different for every person because uh, we're all at different seasons of our life, but really sitting down as the Bible says in Luke 14, 28 and count the cost, count the cost in your life, in your rest, in the, in your play, have fun, play, play can be a part of your rest, right? Life and sometimes we get so serious and forget how to play. But inside of all of us is that little kid that loves to play and love to have fun. And I think that's what's hurting people so much now in ministry. We're so serious and we're so focused. And we forget that, boy, that little kid that used to play with the stick and can be imaginative and, and have that stick. and yeah. Or that little girl that used to play dress up. And and just had imagination and opened up a restaurant every night at the kitchen table with their family and, you know, charging your family for the meals and and writing down imaginary receipts and all of that stuff. To me, those dreamers are still inside of us. And it yeah. comes with really that life, that balance that we need in life. Speaking of having fun, you're as you're talking and remembering something when you were at our youth ministry in Minnesota, um, we had you at a winter camp. I don't know if you remember this. We had you, we had you at a winter camp. And I remember, of course I, I'm, I wasn't from Minnesota. I was there on a temporary assignment, you know, anyways, and a frozen lake was new to me, but it was definitely new to you. Of course you live in, you live in upstate New York now, but, but like at the time you were from, you know, Atlanta or Texas, you know, and, 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 uh, I'll never forget a couple of student leaders being under each of your arms and walking you out on a uh, frozen lake. That's right. That's right. <laughs> one, of the, one of the highlights of my life was taking the guest speaker out, guest speaker from the South, mind you, out onto a frozen lake in yeah, upstate A big, a big guy like me on frozen lakes don't, <laughs> don't go together. All I can see is me falling into that water. I would be that guy. You know, that causes the crack. They're like, oh, no, man, we put cars on here all the time. People drive trucks on here. And here I go in that crack. Yeah. Uh, latest news, black preacher dies in the lake, <laughs> drowns in a frozen lake. <laughs> I've learned uh, a lot since then. But, yeah, I'm oh, man. not that guy, man. <laughs> I remember that. I clearly remember. Uh, and they, I think they were doing snow tubing, too. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember saying to them, like, no, I'm not going to do the snow tubing. I'm... 
I've seen that old opening of ABC Wide World of Sports, uh, Wide World of Sports, <laughs> the agony of defeat. <laughs> you know, I learned something that day. I learned that if you push teenagers too hard in really cold weather, they will barf. And I didn't know that those two things went together. <laughs> So uh, I guess learn learn something every day. Okay, wrap up this part of the conversation. Let me just ask you this. Um, no doubt when we get on this conversation, someone's listening today and it's stirring them. I want to have I want to have greater structure, greater discipline to my life so that I can live, work, rest, you know, you know so, so that I can I'll do all of these things well. If someone was going to sit down with, a, I didn't prep you on this question, so you just got to kind of fly on this one. If someone was going to sit down today and work on their schedule, you know, and, and, and map out, you know, a, a week in their life, where do they start, you know, and, and, and in terms of approaching that? I, I say the first thing you do is to talk to the people that are involved in your life and ask them, where should I, um, where do you think I'm out of control or where I need balance in my life? Mm. What do you think I need? Because that's where you, we don't see things that other people see. So my coworkers, my spouse, my children, my boss, the people in my life that I work with and I kind of put all I do life with, they know, they know us more than, than, then we even know ourselves sometimes. So they see our shortcomings. They see our lacks of, lack of disciplines. They know our strengths. I would start one day at a time, and I would start with the people in my inner circle and asking them, hey, what do you think I need to, where I need to work on? And, and don't beat yourself up because you can't do it all at one time. I think that's the thing. We see these success stories and hear these incredible testimonies but what we don't see is all the work and, and even the work they're yes. still doing. It's one day at a time, one moment at a time, one hour at a time. Um, and one other thing I will say is, and, and please hear me correctly when I say this, because I support pastors and my leaders and my mentors, but I had to get free from man. Yes. And yes. get free from trying to live in other people's expectation of my life. And when I did that, man, I got so free. I still submit myself to my pastor. I'm still submitted to my church, to my boss. However, I have my time. And I got myself free from people putting these expectations on yes. me so that I can really see what I really needed to do in my life. You know, I've just never found my pastor to be unfair of when I approached him saying, you know, I need to make a change or, or, you know, I need to set a boundary. But I think I lived for years being afraid of that. But I, but, but it was, I've just come to realize it, it was so unfounded. I mean, as we're recording this, um, yeah, Lindsay and I are in the middle of this season of our, our daughter being in the NICU. And just last Thursday, I had a sit down with my pastor. I rarely do this, but I sat down with him and I, I said, I need some help. You know, my, my, my life just got crazy and I, I need your help. I need your wisdom to, to just, to, I need to recalibrate. I got to offload some things right now. I've got to change. I've just never felt found him to be unfair about those. But I think I, for years I was afraid of that. Yeah. I think that is the key. A lot of times, you know, we get into this place in ministry where we feel 
you know, we are afraid and we have those feelings of, of, of fear. And I just think that you have to be honest with yourself and, mm-hmm. and get free from, and the enemy too, because a lot of times we think our pastor won't hear us out, but be honest with yourself, be honest with, and be honest with the people in your life. Um, it took me a while to get there. I didn't even yeah. know I needed to be there, honestly. I didn't yeah. know I needed, to, I needed it until my wife kind of gave me this wake-up call years ago. That was the beginning, but that wasn't the end. That was just the start of something. And I think just being honest one day at a time. So let's just say, for me, I realize our work schedule, how I do it, is that we're off on Fridays. Friday is an off day for us. And that's a day that if I don't have to, outside of an emergency, I'm not working. And I'm going to use that time to be at home and be present. And that's where my nothing days tend to come from in that day as well. Um, and then we have Saturdays that we have, we don't have anything special at church, but Sunday's a work day for me. Monday's a work day, Tuesday's a work day. So I learn how to manage my schedule and my life and my rest and my work around my work week. And then also I'm in a different season of life. So I don't have children at home anymore. Thank God. But <laughs> I'm tenured now. Um, yes. But I, I couldn't do that, you know, 10 years ago. I had right. to be present for my children. So they were a part of that process as well. Yeah. Come visit Seattle and change a diaper soon. We got a newborn on the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. Um, that was that was so good. Thank you so much, Lee. Um, I, for, for anyone still hanging around on the episode, cause I know how these goes, people kind of disconnect, yeah. you know, you know, along the way, or maybe, maybe we're now on the second commute, you know, that they're listening to this on, but I want to, I want to keep going on just a couple more lanes with you here. Um, and, and I want to just talk squarely about leading second for a minute, leading from the middle. You are one of the greats, in my opinion, someone who has gone the distance I, I believe the vast majority of your of your time in ministry in the middle. I mean, you you have been a lead pastor, but you you have a lot of years. I mean, your current church right now, fifteen years. Just just that assignment, let alone others. Um, what's the greatest lesson you have learned in your seasons of leading in the middle? But two lessons I will share right now. One, it's and it comes from this that you heard before. It's not a career; it's a calling. Yes. Yes. It's not a career. It's a calling. The will of God for your life is the last thing God said to you. Right. So unless the Lord has said something else to me to move, to change, to start, I don't do it. And, um, and so I believe that knowing that the calling of God is there and this is what God, the last thing God called me to do. That's where I, I, that's the, I'm, it's sustainable. I could stay, and I stay because even though do I do I stay uh, is always good. No, do I disagree with my pastor? Yes. Um, do I always like what he says? No, no, that's that's unrealistic. But God called me to him and to her, and so I served them out of that calling, not out of being blind. And I also have an opportunity to speak my heart and respectfully. Right. That that is that is so important to do. And so I I serve. Now, if my pastor or any pastor I've ever sat under or leader I sat under starts to violate me as a man, disrespect me as a man, that's not a part of the calling. Sure. Or cause me to disrespect my family. Or you know, I can't 
you know, do certain things with my children. No, that's not a part of the calling. So no, I don't support that. But I don't, I don't serve a man or a woman like that. They respect that. You know, if my children over the years have gone to the hospital, my pastor is one of the first people to show up, right. you know, there and stay the whole time with me. So it's about calling and it's about what the last thing the Lord said to you. And if the Lord didn't say to you, go, move, change, start, then that's where you're supposed to be. Even though you may get angry, even though you may disagree, even though you may not like what they say all the time. Yeah. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to continue to do until the Lord releases me. Yeah. I'm going to take a minute and do something I don't normally do on the podcast, but I just feel very impressed to, I guess, here for a second. Um, because I know that my life has been changed, Lee, by, by moments sitting in church services under sermons, listening to messages, even driving in my car, where people taught on leading from the middle or the second chair or what what have you. And those were some of the moments where God opened my eyes to the idea that that actually was a part of my calling that I was, uh, that I was called that I could fully walk out the plan and purpose of God for my life and do it while sitting under another leader. I didn't have to be a number one to be a number one in my life, you know? And I believe I guess what my faith is telling me right now is that there could be even someone listening to these words today where that same thing is happening to you, where you're actually realizing that, 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 that part of the call of God on your life means um, maybe it's time to lay down the belief that you can only succeed from the first chair and that you can walk out every bit of the plan and purpose of God for your life and do it squarely from the middle. I mean, maybe you want to speak to that for a second, but I, but I know my life has been changed in those moments and I want to give a moment for the Holy spirit to invade a car or a set of AirPods somewhere, or, you know, what have you, someone listening to this right now, I believe for, for many of us in ministry, that that same truth applies. It's so true. Um, I got so set free from that. Um, I've been on the big stage, man. I've been at the big church. I've carried the big titles and none of it means anything at the end of the day. Right. So I serve out of a place where I'm so fulfilled in serving my pastor and my church and, and, and our congregation. Um, I, you know, there are people over the years that have come to me where I'm at right now and said, have you ever thought about starting a church? You know what? If you did, let me know. They love the way I preach or the style I preach. And I'm like, uh, no, I've never thought about that. This is where I'm supposed to be. And, and I also ask myself, what is the lesson? So wherever you are right now, there's a reason why you are there. Yes, yes. There's yes. a lesson that God is trying to teach you. And going somewhere else is not going to change that. Right. It's right. going to even delay it more because now you got to start all over again. And right. so I've learned so much about what God has called me to do sitting in the second chair or the third chair. Um, and believe me, you think you want to be in the first chair? You talk about a calling. Uh, man, listen, I have so much respect. One of the reasons I could serve my pastor the way I serve them in my church is I've been in the first chair. Right. And I know what the first chair comes with. And I rather, I rather so much more be in the second chair, um, even though sometimes he has me sit in the first chair in his absence. But I love the second chair because that's where God's gifted me. And I can serve them in a way that I could never... Um, so, you know, do anywhere else. Plus, 
Here's the other thing. We've heard this. How you serve where you are now is how others will serve you. Yes. And if you are called to sit in the first chair one day, it's going to be as fruitful as how you are serving in the second chair today. I believe it. I believe it. And you know what? I I can say that almost 20 years in for me, um, and, and I mean, I believe a lot of that selflessly serving someone else. I can actually say the last few years I've started to see the fruit. I've started to see others surround us and do the, and, and they, they'll do thing, the very thing that I used to do. And, and it, it just always comes up in the back of my mind there, there that that's the harvest of the seed right there of, of just being faithful. I, when I'm, working with new leaders and anybody that's searching out the titles that they come in, I know they want titles. They're looking for positions. I, I put a broom in their hand. I, I like, Hey, go clean the toilet. Hey, go run this errand. Um, I even to this day, I can, in my position where I'm at titles are something that's important and, and respected in this protocol. But when I send an email internally in our staff, I don't ever sign it. Pastor Lee Wilson. No, no. Why? No. I'm not Pastor Lee Wilson. I'm Lee Wilson that happens to be a pastor. And even when I do our video stuff and I'm opening up for our live stream, I'll be like, hello, I'm Lee Wilson, one of the pastors here at Abundant Life. And, you know, because I've gotten so over that, man. I think people searching for titles and positions and all of that is so overrated. It's yep. so overrated. I prefer to be, I don't sit on the front row. I, I prefer to sit in the back row of the church because you see more, by the way. I'm a people watcher. But I just think, don't want it. It's when you don't want it. It's yes. when God will yes. give it to you. Yes. When you don't want it. I, oh, listen, I could talk to you for hours. Um, I've already run way over our time, um, but you you are full of gold. And I, I always want to honor you again and say thank you. Um, I'm, I am better today because of this conversation and I know so many are, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Uh, will you do me a great honor? And I, I know we record this and it goes out later and this even gets, we'll get listened to for years, you know, but, but, um, we just pray right now over the person still listening today. Yeah. Father, we thank you for this incredible opportunity we've had just to, talk through, Lord God, the life lessons of a leader and leading from the second chair or leading from even the first chair or even the fifth or seventh chair. Lord God, that they'll have that balance in their life. They will get that rest that is needed. And Lord God, they'll be fruitful and successful in the work, whatever it is that they do. I thank you, Lord God, and I praise you, Lord God, for the fruit in every area of their lives. And I thank you, Lord God, that there are many of us, including myself, that have heard the words that have been spoken today. And Lord, it may not apply to all of us in every area of our life, but Lord, teach us, show us. Holy Spirit, lead us into what we need to do to be the best person that we can be that will make us the best leader we should be. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 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 Thanks, my friend. We love you a lot. Love you too, man. Thank you. check out our website leadingsecond.com follow us on instagram at leading second and join us on the leading second collective on facebook